Hi guys, this is Troy Warner and you are listening to Talking with TK. Hey guys, and welcome to a bonus episode of Season 2 of Talking with TK. I'm your host, Tristan Cannell. Today's episode, we'll be paying tribute to one of the you know one of the fanatics of the NRL. His name is Troy Warner. He supports Parramatta. He's got an incredible, you know, he's the way he, he, well, given last year that they came last, he went to every single NRL game, and that's across Darwin, Brisbane, you name it, he went to it last year. He invited me out today to a place called the Paracave, which is in the heart of the of Penrith Territory, actually. That's where he was born and raised. But this place is incredible. It's got something like 65 to 70 jerseys. It's got anything. It's got stadium turf. It's got old players' boots, signatures all over the place. Pretty much every team photo from when he started supporting the team in 1986. Pretty much anything you'd find, he's got a... He's got a fridge dedicated to Nathan Hindmarsh. I'll put all the pictures up on the Facebook page for you to have a look as well, a couple of videos as well. But it's an incredible thing and just his dedication, that's what I kind of want to see in rugby league. So that's why I wanted to dedicate an episode to a fan and he's a he's a loyal listener of the show as well. So a big shout out to him and a big shout out to all of you guys who made season two such an incredible journey. You know, the downloads went through the roof. I really appreciate you sharing the show with your family and friends. You know, it's really that word of mouth is an incredible thing. And also all the reviews on, on iTunes slash Apple Podcast. Couldn't have done it all without you. Definitely do get in touch. I have recorded the first six episodes of season three. So we'll be back on Tuesday, April, sorry, Tuesday, April 16th. So that's in two weeks time. So stay tuned. The first one's going to be George Rose. I've also recorded with Danny Badiris, Craig Wing, Ben Cray, Michael Butner, and Patrick Johnson, which I delayed from from the last season. Next couple of weeks, I'll also be sitting down with David Wolfman Williams, Steve Benz, Steve Beaver Menzies, Mark Eller, Greg Alexander. The list goes on. A few of the Super League boys are coming on as well. Keith Keith Mason. We've got Kevin Sinfield as well as Kieran Cunningham. So get in touch. Let me know who you want to hear in season three of Talking with TK. And let me know where you're listening to the show and the episodes that you've enjoyed the best. I love talking about footy. So definitely get in touch. Send me an email, Tristan at talkingwithtk.com, or definitely like or share the you know the Facebook and the Twitter page. It's at Talking with TK. You can also direct message me on any of those social platforms. All right, guys. It's gonna be a great episode. And it's something a little bit different, but I'm really excited to introduce and tell the story of Troy Warner. All right, guys, my special guest today is Troy Warner. Troy is one of the biggest fans in the NRL. He's also been called the NRL's most dedicated fan. <laughs> He's been following the Parramatta Eels for over 30 years. He actually attended all of Parramatta's games last year, both home and away. He's also been recently named as a Bankwest Stadium fan ambassador. Today, Troy invites me over to do a podcast in this, as you can see, well, if you actually listen, you can't see, but you'll probably be able to see it on Facebook if you check out the photos and the videos I'll put up. But it's a special place called the Paracave, and I haven't seen anything like this before. And we're going to ha- also be discussing some of the key points in the NRL today. But first things first, 
Welcome to the podcast, Troy. Thanks very much, mate. Thanks for coming over and uh, happy to share some stories. Absolutely. Let's start with the cave because it's super impressive. For just painting the picture for people at home, there's absolute, it's, there's jerseys everywhere. There must be something like 70, 80 jerseys here. There's posters. There's anything, any memorabilia you could, I think there's even field. There's players, boots. Yeah, there's there's a little bit of stuff here. Um, paint the picture. It's uh, basically a two and a half car garage, so lengthwise. Um, Eighty jerseys is probably a little bit much. I've probably got about sixty five to 70, <laughs> 70 um, just throughout the years. Um, some player worn jerseys um, and some signed jerseys, um, and yeah, some some boots. Some boots worn by players. Tepo Morales boot, Fui Fui's boot. Yep. Um, you know, Parramatta beer cans, golf balls, um, stubby holders, team photos, team posters, chairs, uh, glasses, coffee mugs, toothbrushes, you name it. You name it, you there, got There's it. probably anything, anything in Parramatta colours, I've probably got it. But mate, we are in the heart of Penrith. How do the <laughs> Penrith know, people I feel know. about the Paracave being here, mate? I know it's uh, it's a bit of a weird one, but uh, this is where I've lived pretty much all my life. But uh, I do have a lot of Penrith fans that uh, are Penrith friends that are obviously Penrith fans, and they give me a ribbing about it as well. Um, but it's just the way, just the way it is, the way it's come come about. Yeah. Now, Troy, the origins of the actual cave. What what gave you the idea, and what was the first initial steps for you creating this thing? Okay, so it's probably been about twenty twenty five years in the making, so to speak. Okay. Um, basically, sort of started off at at that home, yep. um, in in my room, um, and oh, so your room was originally the cave. Well, yeah, yeah. So humble beginnings um, started there, and. Uh, and then it grew to the townhouse that we previously had, um, slow, a smaller garage. Yeah. Um, and then when we came here to the current location, it's just like, well, I have the space now, so I'm gonna have to, <laughs> gonna have to utilise it, and I've yeah. got all the stuff. So, and then just kept on collecting over over time. Um, Did your missus think it was just the phase you were going through when you first suggested this? And it's just grown to something she can't control now. No, I think it's probably more that she probably doesn't want it inside the house. So <laughs> um, she probably doesn't want it inside the house. That's Otherwise, fair. it'd be everywhere. So yeah. stick it all out in here and uh, I can put it at anything, anywhere I want. So um, nah, she, she likes the passion that I've got for it. Absolutely. So with all this stuff, mate, what there must be something that maybe two or three items that are your most cherished. What what are they? That's a very hard one, um, and I do get asked that a bit. Um, I've got a framed Legends jersey up on the wall up up over there. Um, Far side, the one up there. Yeah, yeah, next to the Premiership flag up there. Um, it's got some of the club's most notable names on there, and legends of the club. You know, Uray Price, Peter Sterling. Yep. Um, and some of those other names, some of the older generation names, Barry Rushworth, mm-hmm. um, comes to mind. So that's that's probably one. Um, probably the other one is just about above your head up there. It, it's the 
This one? Yeah, that one. That's uh, number four. Who's that referring to? Yeah, that's um, Willie Tonga. Um, So back in the day where I think it was 2014, I think, um, we played the Warriors over in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. Um, And due to to government uh, laws, you can't advertise gambling over there. So at the time, we did have uh, Unibet as a sponsor. So they actually came up with a competition um, to win your name on a jersey um, that the players would wear, um, and there was uh, 17, 17 lucky people that got that choice, um, and then I got the phone call one day, and I was lucky enough to be one of those people who won that, and then I had a selection of numbers. Uh, there wasn't very many numbers available at the time, yeah. but uh, I chose number four, and it ended up being that Willie was captain on that day. Yep. So that one's his playing jersey from that game. He's a good man, Willie Tonga. Yeah. Um, there's some photos up on the wall of him up there, so yeah. that, that one's pretty special. And um, probably a, another quick one that probably comes to mind is probably... Oh, I probably couldn't go past the uh, probably the Nathan Highmarsh retirement jersey and the and the Hindy fridge. Probably that's is that probably... his actual jersey. No, no, I'm not that lucky. Um, no, nah, that was just the um, just the, a replica, re- re- replica yeah, ones okay. that they were selling at the time, and, and then he signed it too. Yeah, he signed it as well. So that one, that one's probably a bit special. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of there's there's probably a few more special things in here. That I could probably name for sure. It's pretty cool, mate. But let's go back because your love with rugby league started at 1986 Grand Final. That's not a bad one. How old were you? About eight years old. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I was eight years old at the time. Um, and uh, I remember it quite vividly. Uh, back in the day, I think Channel 10 had the rights to, to, yeah. to the game. Um, and at they, on those days, they had all three grades on TV, I think. Uh, under 23s, I think it was on about 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning. Uh, yep. It would have been about 10 o'clock in the morning, I think, the first game, um, and then reserve grade and then first grade. So I remember just waking up on a Sunday morning, still in the pyjamas, just jump on the cat, uh, <laughs> the lounge and just um, flick Channel 10 on and just watch all three game, games. And, um, yeah, first grade, obviously, we were lucky enough to play in it and also win it 4-2, so... Uh, I uh, just stuck with them f- from that day on, yeah. Were your parents, did they like rugby league? Uh, not really. Um, they sort of watched it here and there yeah. a little bit, um, but they weren't they weren't big fans of it really. But they, they had a little bit of an interest in it, but um, they probably watched the, the Origin games at that time. Mm. Um, more than the club games, but they were never they never really had a team to follow. They never followed a team much. So you when you're this eight year old sitting on the couch, what captivated you about rugby league and made you fall in love with it? Um oh look, to be honest, I don't, I can't remember back that far to be honest. Uh but I I'd I'd probably say uh well okay, so the reason why I went for Parramatta is my dad uh, had a mate of his that used to come around every 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 week just to you know, hang out, yeah, so yeah. to speak. Um, and he lived in Guildford at the time, so he was a Parramatta fan. Yep. So, growing up as a kid, 
he would come around and talk Parramatta. He'd just like talk, you know, whether it would be the good times or the bad times. Um, and he would just talk Parramatta, talk Parramatta, talk Parramatta. So it probably stuck in my head. So that's, that's probably why I started off going for them. Yeah. Um, it just, it just resonated with me and I just stuck with it. So, um, and then, and that's probably why. And then probably from, probably from that 86 grand final, I, uh, started playing at age nine. So I actually started playing the game at age nine. This was the Waratahs, yeah. This is, yeah, Penrith Waratahs. Um, still going today. Um, so only had the short career there, nines, nines to fifteens, I think it was. I <laughs> oh, won. Yeah. I, I I started off playing uh, five eight. Yeah. Uh, for a few years. What sort of style five eight? Oh look, ground mate. We. Oh, yeah, maybe. I remember one day getting a uh, a penalty try in a, I think it was a semi-final. There you go. Um, I think I did do like the little grubber kick through and was chasing <laughs> through and got tackled down. And uh, we actually had a, back in that day, we had a, we had a female ref that day actually. And, um, there was a few going through when we yeah, came through. Yeah, so uh, she awarded me a penalty try, which, which was. It might have been Jenny Robinson. Been, maybe. Oh, I can't remember back then, but... I think she was the first, so... Yeah, so... Um, yeah, she awarded me a penalty try. Um, and then I guess, obviously, playing the game, it, you know, all your all your teammates follow a team and stuff like that, so mm. you just start going to games. I remember early on, um, living in Penrith at the time, I was living in the centre of Penrith at the time, and... Yeah. Used to just walk down the hill to the games Penrith and I, I, yeah, Penrith Park back in those days. I remember so far back that um, going to the games. It was even before the before the Eastern Grandstand was built, so they used to have a big hill yeah, on the yeah. other side. So I remember those days. Um, and yeah, just used to go down there watch the games because I love rugby league and um, yeah, just grew and grew and grew. Yeah, what was your first time ever live at Parramatta Stadium? Ah, uh, oh, good question. Um, I th- uh, I remember I remember being at Brett Kenny's last game. Mm-hmm. What was that ninety three? Yeah, that was that was ninety three. Um, that possibly could have been the first time. That, that possibly could have been a time before that. Um, it doesn't doesn't trigger any bells the first time there, but uh, that could have been. Um, that could have been one of the first times. Have you ever met Parramatta Jesus? Uh, I have. Um, it's, my, it's my best friend's brother. Yeah. And I'm trying to convince him, and to he won't back. do it. I said he's got to resurrect at the Easter game because Parramatta's coming back to their brand new stadium, and it'll be fantastic. It'll be the biggest marketing thing in Parramatta history. Yeah, that would, that would be a great idea. Um, as but you he's, said, it's Easter time. He nah, he hasn't done it for a while now. You know, they're um, going to pay him to do the grand final. And he <laughs> really? said no to it. You know the 2009 against yeah, the Storm? Yeah, okay. Yeah, he um, went into retirement and many a person has uh, asked him to come back and yep. resurrect that. Um, well, today we're asking, so I know a lot of Parramatta supporters are going to be listening to this. Yep. Do you see John Ryan on the street? We need him to come back and resurrect in a couple of weeks' time and be Parramatta Jesus again. Let him know. Sounds like a great idea, great plan. Come back, <laughs> come back. Be a great fan um, entertainment. Oh, no doubt. So, you know, early on, because, you know, the first game you watched, 
you guys win the premiership. But yep. there's a lot of lean years after that. And going through the 90s, it's one of those things that, I don't know, watching Parramatta is one of those things because they're always the underdog yep. Yep. at the same time. They had all these young players coming through with just outstanding names, and I'm going to ask you about a few of these cult guys in a second. Yep. But to actually stick through, it, through to them, especially when you're coming through, and Penrith for winning the comp. Yeah. Was there ever a stage where you ever considered leaving Para for Penrith? No. No. Um, they were very lean years, um, especially in those early 90 mm. periods. Um, yeah, we, we were down the bottom of the table. At that time, and we did have a lot of big scores against us. Um, I remember, I remember quite vividly. One day, I think we we're on a, a family uh, day out at Janolan Caves. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was Easter time, and I think the Bulldogs gave us a massive touch-up. I think that was at Belmore. I think. <laughs> I think that was our was Easter it one of those game. Family Sunday games. I think it was, um, but I remember somehow I was, uh, I must have been, as soon as we got back to the car, I was like, put the radio on, I need to, need to know the score, and, um. <laughs> it was like 40 but, to 40 Oh, something. it was a, it was a massive, uh, it was a massive loss, I think, um, uh, yeah, uh, 42 to 8, or, <laughs> it, it was a massacre, but, um, yeah, definitely there were some lean years, but, nah, I think you just have to pick and stick, and. You can't just change your teams and you can't just pick whoever's winning and go with them. Yeah. I, th- I think you need to pick and stick and be loyal because uh, for every for every bad year that you're going to have where you don't get the results, um, it'll just make the good years and hopefully the premiership years even sweeter when we do actually win again. Yeah. Um, there were times probably in, in the late 90s where – we were probably a dominant team, but we didn't go. We didn't go on with it. Oh, we got um, those big four from from the doggies. Yeah, yeah, we we got those, and that was sort of a building block. And um, we we were quite successful, you know, from ninety seven, ninety eight, ninety nine, mm. two thousand. Um, but as I said, we just didn't go on with it. Um, but we were quite a dominant team. Uh, then yeah, you know you talked about that loyalty. Like last year, Parramatta were finishing well, they did finish last, and that's where they were for most of the season. But yep. you went to every single game, and we're talking about games. I just wrote it down. It was what Brisbane, Townsville, Melbourne road trips, yeah. Darwin. Yeah, Darwin. I was uh, lucky enough to get a 40th birthday present from my auntie. Yeah, but plane trip. You know how hard, like we both went to the game on Friday night. There was only yep. thirteen thousand people there, and it does seem the NRL does have an issue with getting fans of the game. What do you love most about a live game? I think it's just the fact of being there um, and, you know, interacting with the other fans mm. about the game before and after. And um, I just I just think it's a sense of being there as well. Um, I think also, too, if the if the players see, the, see that you're there as well, you know, week in, week out, they appreciate that as well. Yeah. Um, because they understand that you're going along with it as long as well as they are, um, and I think it's just the atmosphere as well. Um, but yeah, TV is good, um, but you know, being at the games is is probably better. Mm. So how do you convince Amanda, your, your missus, to let you do all these road trips? 
Uh, I, I don't you know. I, I, just, I, was just, I was just lucky. I'm very lucky that I've got a great wife. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, no, she um, understands and, and no, I, I guess I was just lucky. <laughs> nah, she's awesome. To backtrack just a touch, yep. now, in terms of sitting on the old, because I used to be a hill, Mark, what were we, the Brett Kenny Hill? Yeah, we'll the Brett Kenny Hill. My brother's here as well, yep. doing a bit of photography for us today, but we'll Brett Kenny Hill. What, what side were you on? I I uh, I think I was the Peter Sterling. The, so the opposite, the opposite hill. The opposite hill. Yeah, yeah. The one closest to the Lee's Club. Did you used to grab the ball? Like we used to always have games either at the back or down the front, wasn't it, Mike? Yeah. Kick the ball. Yeah, I think um, yeah. Everyone used to always try and get it when there was a goal kick in place, and <laughs> used to go over, and there was a big wrestle for the for the ball. But all down the hill. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. So yeah, no, I did do that a few times, I guess. <laughs> All right, Troy, I'm going to r- rattle some names out to you. So these right are some of my favourite cult heroes. Okay. And, you know, if you want to add any, yeah, feel, feel free. Yeah. So first one, Michael Erickson. Second one, Stu Galbraith. Third one, Brett Plowman. Brett Plowman. Danny Krankovich, fourth. Yeah. And Lee Oden Ryan was the top five that I've come up. Am yeah. I missing any cult last name ones? Cult last names? Yeah. Oh, fooey, fooey. Moi, moi. Moi. Yeah, that's, that's pretty, pretty good. Yeah, um... Brian Jackson. Yeah, Jacko. Yeah. He had that, he had the big blonde uh, Yeah, thing long, going long on. hair. Um, Scott Mann. Scotty Mann. Yeah. He was a bit of a cult hero back in yeah, the day too, wasn't he? back in the day as well. Um, you know who I forgot when I was thinking about this on my day? Robert Muchmore. Yeah. That's a great last night. I, I've actually caught up with him a couple of times Have lately, you? actually, yeah. Um, I think at the last Old Boys Day last year at ANZ Stadium, had a chat with him. and yeah, good bloke. Okay, so out of those guys, give me a three, two, one. Who's got the best name? Oh, probably Krankovich, number one. I'll start at the top. Yeah, probably probably Krankovich, number, number one. He, he was a real cult cult hero. Yep. Um, oh, who, who are the other ones again? So I've got Ericsson, Galbraith, yeah, Plowman, yeah. Odin Ryan, and then the, you mentioned two as well. Yeah, okay. So probably probably Odin Ryan as well. He, he rose to fame after his... Foot race with Martin Fire, yep. um, and he was known for his speed. Um, probably little Stewie Galbraith, I reckon. He he um, he, he, he rose to prominence, I think, when when we beat the Broncos at the opening of the ANZ Stadium up in Brisbane. That's right. I did talk so, to you about that on yeah. On so I think um, I think he sort of got a name for for himself then. Yeah, has there been any Stewie Galbraith sightings? Because I can't find him. So I've been requested to do yeah, one with Yeah, okay. Uh, not that I know of. I, uh, I, Even the former I, players that I've spoken yeah. to can't recollect where he's... Well, I think... Uh, yeah, I think he's from New Zealand, so I don't know if he's gone back to New Zealand or not. Um, well, after I we put know. the feeler out for Parramatta Jesus, we're also looking yeah, for Stu Galbraith. Stu Galbraith. So any Parra fans or any, you know, listeners... Today, if you know of Stewie Galbraith, maybe get in touch. Maybe some of the old boys could help help us out. And <laughs> we, we can get you in touch with him. Just think on loyalty, Troy. You know, after you guys were docked all those premiership points, you organised a massive rally in a march. Yeah, tell me about that experience. Um, yeah, that was a that was a pretty big experience. Um, the The idea behind that was probably just to show the. We'll just show the the NRL viewing audience that mm. um, us as fans were still behind the team, even though they were down. 
um, and did cop that penalty. Yeah. Um, so in no way was it like a protest march against the NRL for doing what they did, mm. even if we didn't agree with what they did at the time. Um, it, was, it was more of a support for the club, for the players, um, and just to show the NRL viewing audience that, you know, we're going to stick stick solid with the team, um, even though if we're going to have to start from last again. Yeah. Because at, the, at that time... Um, there was a very slim hope that we still could have made the finals in that year. Mm. I think we had to win 13 out of 16 games. We started really well in that season. Something, yeah, we, we were in, in the top quite... Eight for the first half, weren't you? Yeah, um, we were in quite good form then. Um, Just by memory, that's the year Kieran Foreman was with, with you guys, right? Uh, was that the Yeah, year? I think... Yeah, the year, first year? Year, no, he was the year... Before, I think. Oh, so they, they copped the penalty, though. That is, that's just what I mean. The team that was in the actual running, he was part of that team, wasn't he? No, I think he was the year before, I think. Okay. Oh, no, he, no, he was 2016, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was 2016, Because what yeah. years are the penalties actually from? 2015 for them being over the cap, is that? Oh, I think there was 13, 14, and 15. 15. Okay. I think there was a number of years, three years there, I think. Um, so there was that slim hope that, if we did win those games, we could have made the finals. And I think it worked out at the end of the year. If those if those 12 points were added to our total, mm. I think it would have come came down to four and against a lot of points, for, for eighth spot, I think. So. We're talking about most teams make the finals between 26 and 30 points. To rip 12 away from you, that's, that's huge. Yeah, 100%. Um, and it was a big kick of the guts. It actually made it a bit worse because it was on my birthday when the uh, when the announcement when the announcement came down. So it um, wasn't a wasn't a happy birthday <laughs> um, on that day. But uh, yeah, something obviously something that Parramatta fans will never forget. How many people went to the rally? Oh, I think we had probably two hundred. I reckon That's probably cool. was that organised within the Facebook group or? Yeah, yeah, we had a Facebook group um, organised up, and we just shared it with the other um, Eels fans Facebook groups, and um, tried to get the word out. Contacted a couple of media outlets and said, "This is this is what we've got organised. Did you want coverage of it?" Mm. Um, I think Channel Nine came down, did a crossover. Um, on that night, um, and uh, yeah, so I think there's probably about 200 people there, which was which was pretty good. Mm. All loud and proud through the streets of Parramatta on the way to uh, at the time it was called Pertec Stadium. So it was. Um, yeah, no, it was good to show. It was good of everyone turning up to show their passion and commitment to the club. Yeah, we need more of it. All right, I'm going to pick you, yeah, your brain a little bit on a few games yep. that I went to, yep. and I'm sure that you probably were as well. The first one, unfortunately, it's more of a negative game because you guys <laughs> lost, yeah. but it is vivid like it was yesterday. It okay. was, I'm not sure if you were there, but the 98 major semi-final against Canterbury, <laughs> and they dropped 18-2 to somehow get flogged in extra time. It was the weirdest game I've ever been to in my life. No, I wasn't there. Uh but again, it's still vivid in the memory. Um, I was at my best mate's uh, best mate Jeff's place in yeah. Cambridge Park, watching the game. Um, and in those days, the game was on delay, so it wasn't live. Oh, it's an hour behind. Yeah. Yep. So um, 
funny story about that one is we, we were watching it in in uh he had a, like a back garage granny flat sort of so to speak and um mm. yeah as 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 it was on delay we had a couple of war mates that were there that weren't really into footy and they've checked the score and they they know what the score is and they're sitting up the back and Jeff and I are sitting up the front watching the game intensely um, and they're like laughing at us and stuff like that. So when that when when we got run down, so yeah, definitely. Um, no, I wasn't there, but it does stick in the memory as a game I'll never forget, and um, one that Para fans will never forget, one that Canterbury fans will always remember. Yeah, which they um, pretty much flogged to death on social media last week. Did they? When we played them, yeah, they were saying, anymore, oh, "Do you remember they? this? Do you remember this?" And, yeah. But we've always got the 2009 prelim final to go back at them. That um, was a huge that. one. Did you go to that one? No, I was. I think I was at uh, Jeff's place again. I think um, watching that one as well. Jeff's place must be pretty good, mate. Uh, oh well, he, he's a para fan as well. So we and we're best mates. So we we've got to you know whenever we have an opportunity to watch a game together, we'll watch the game together. Um, yeah, we've actually got season membership this year together. So. Fantastic. Yeah. All right. A couple other games. Yep. Did you go to the two grand finals? Went to 2001. Where were you sitting? Um, I was up on the big wing at the end yep. when they had the big wings mm-hmm. uh, behind the goalposts um, up there. And, that was uh, a steep wing, wasn't it? It was a steep wing. Um, but uh, it was a game that we were expected to win. Probably if it was maybe five minutes longer, we may have pulled it off mm. um with the too much start 24 nil at half time well that's right and then for it to be 30 24 i think full time it um as i said if it was maybe five minutes longer it probably the the momentum was with us we could have got that one over 2009 um, no, <laughs> again, I was at Jeff's place, uh, watching it. Cause I think we made a bit of a pact that day that, you know, we, we've, we went to 2001. If, yep. if, um, if, if we make another one, we'll, we'll watch it at home. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, yeah, we, that's, that's where I watched that one. Another game that was pretty close. They nearly, they just left it too long. What was it in 18, 12? Uh, I think 19, 12, I think. Yeah, I think uh, GI kicked the field goal. But who's, Philly, didn't Philly score that day? Is that the comeback? Is that what happened? Yeah, that I was. Uh, I think that was the momentum of the comeback. Um, yeah, Philly did a thirty meter run, I think, and scored in the corner and just barging over players that were trying to tackle him. And um, that was probably a moment that lifted the players um, and said, "Well, if he can do that, mm. you know, let's get on with it and let's see if we can." Get this victory. Yeah. Okay. To end the parrot chat before we get on to the NRL stuff. Yep. Now, I want to. We just had the cult heroes, which I gave you the cult heroes. But just off the top of your head, who are your fav- five favourite Parramatta players of all time? Uh, starting at five. So this is a lot. This is coming in at actual five. Yeah. Okay. So starting starting at five. Yeah. Um, it's very very difficult. You know that, don't you? Because there's so many great <laughs> yeah, players over the years. Um. So, obviously, during the during the glory years, yep. so to speak, um, didn't really get to see a lot of those players play. Um, I've only seen videos and um, replays and stuff like that. Um, but you know, uh, 
uh, Brett Kenny will be there. Bert's at number five. Yeah, look, it's hard to put an order in place, but... Uh, <laughs> All right, we won't, we won't, we won't, 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 won't yeah, order, no, we'll no just give you Okay, so we've got Brett Kenny, yep. um, uh, Nathan Kalis, because he was a great... Oh, was, sorry, Kalis. Yeah, Kalis, he was a great uh, club man, um, great leader from the front. Especially uh, such one a club, too. Yeah, one club player. I think the NRL's uh, youngest captain ever, mm. I think. Um, he was a finals captain at the time as well. Yeah, yeah, he was. Um, Sterlow gets a mention as well. He was my favourite player yep. um, at the time growing up. Geez, only two left. That's that's a difficult one. That one. Um, everyone, everyone who knows me. Uh, who else? Hang on. Who else? Oh, look, I love Fui Fui. He, he was great. He was great value when he played. Just the way that he charged hard in that line. And um, Could you imagine? It just comes to me now. Imagine Fui Fui versus Mark Tukey <laughs> lined up just running at each other. Well, there's another cult hero for you, Mark Tukey. Um, should have put him on the list. Yeah. Um, good old Tukes. Uh, yeah, that would be, uh, what, a, a semi-trailer Even versus for, a semi-trailer? Like, for someone that doesn't go for Parramatta, like... When the Parramatta crowd used to go, go fooey fooey or yeah. tuki, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like how good was it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was. And as I said before, it gave them a lift because uh, they could hear it. But you um, do it even if you were at a parrot. Like, I yeah, I know, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just just what you do. Um, it's just their status in the game, isn't it? That's, what, that's, what, that's what you do. Um, and then everyone who knows me um, well enough would have to. I'd have to say Nathan Hindmarsh as well. Everyone who knows me knows that I love Hindy. Um, so, um, got the Hindy fridge, as you can see. Um, that is the Hindy fridge. I've, I've met him on new, numerous occasions. I'm still trying to get him out to the Parra Cave one day. He said he'll make it out one day. But, Good um, met, met him numer- numerous times. Um, but, yeah, just the way he played, probably... One of the most unluckiest players never to win a competition. Well, no doubt. That's two grand finals, unfortunate. But yeah, What did you right. love most about Heidi? Oh, just the sheer fact that he never gave up. Mm. Um, never gave up and just kept on going and going and going and, you know, tackling whatever he saw in front of him. He was faster um, than what people think too, wasn't he? Yeah, early on in his career, he was, he was a good edge back rower and, mm. yeah, had a lot of speed and scored a lot of tries out wide breaking the line and, and the like. Um, but also the fact, going back to, as I said, never giving up, you often see when the opposition put a kick in, he was like at the back cleaning it up. Mm. Or, and um, and the same when we put a kick in, he was one of the first down there chasing it. Um, but, yeah, just, just a good bloke and, yeah, never gave up. And, yeah, as I said, most unluckiest player not to win a... Grand final. Yeah, I agree. Probably him and ET. All yeah. right, before we crack on to our NRL chat, I know probably a lot of Parramatta supporters are going to be listening. So yep. just want to give out a few of your contact details. Obviously, Twitter, you're TroyPod78. Yep. You're also one of the admins on the Parramatta Eel, sorry, Parra Eels Army. Yep. Which obviously you want as many Parramatta supporters to join up and be involved because you get a lot of the yep. guys, you, you stay around for after the game, get a few of the interviews with the boys. Yep. And plenty of chatter. So I think Parramatta fans, I'm in that group. Yeah, I, it's I a like good. Them, um, so. Yeah, it's a good little group there for Para fans. And does the Para and, Cave and have a page? Have a, is that it does as well. Uh, Troy's Para Cave. Give that a little plug. So it's yeah, just Troy's, Troy's Para Cave. Cave. That's what it is. Um, 
it's got a got a Facebook page on there. Do some videos here and there, and whenever I get uh, any ex players or current players out, I'll yeah. post a video up there of an interview and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, just do for those that don't come here, just do videos, video tours, virtual tours, sort of things. So yeah, there's that page as well. Yeah, just to get ourselves together, but it's been revealed during the break that <laughs> Troy's favourite ever player was actually Brad Tackery. <laughs> Explain no, yourself, Troy. That, that that's that's um that's a myth. That that started off as a joke. Um I think it was what last year, I think. Maybe maybe the year before, I've picked him as a as a first try scorer. Um and as probably most people do, they might they might pick a player as a first try scorer. If it doesn't come off once, I'll pick him for the next week. If it doesn't come off then, they may pick him for the Third Has week, Tackering ever but, been a first try scorer? No, no, but um, when he does, it'll be like winning the grand final. And he's gotten close, but... Uh, yeah, Virgo are going all right on the right, but... Yeah, they've got a good combination happening together. Yeah, um, big combination. Yeah, they are. Two, the, two tall timbers. Um, but yeah, it's just started off as a joke and uh, just stuck with it because there could be that chance where he actually does score at the first... First try and Imagine it's a great if if I if I don't pick him as a first try scorer and he does score, <laughs> it'll be laughable. But um, I don't don't gamble on it. If I do, I just have a dollar here and there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, nah, it started off as a joke. But yeah, let's rip into this NRL stuff. All right, so I wanted to have a, a bit of a yarn to you because I know how passionate you are about the NRL, not just yep. about Parramatta as well. And I do value your opinion on different different things and issues within the game as well. So. Yep. First things first, you know, we've had a, you know, it's been a very turbulent off-season. It's been a very yeah. up and down. Yeah. Why don't we start with a few positives? What do you see as a couple of positives in the NRL at the moment? Um, the young players that are coming through. Hmm. Um, so your Zach Lomaxes, um, Dylan Brown, yep. um, you know, Reed Marnie. Hmm. And rattle off a lot of Paramount players. Um, <laughs> I'll give you a couple. Britton Decora from the Sharks. He's yeah, doing very well. Yeah. Got Kyle Flanagan coming through. and Yeah, yeah uh, Blake Braley. Yeah, Blake Braley. Scored a try last night. Um, so, yeah, that, that's that's positive. Uh, seeing the next generation of players come through. Hmm. Um, I think the fact that uh, Bankwest Stadium is opening up in three weeks' time. Yes. And that, you're an ambassador, that's, mate. That's a massive positive. I How am. You I'm, a, an I'm ambassador of the, lucky the enough. Yeah, lucky enough to become a, a Bankwest Stadium fan ambassador. Um, just one of those things. Um, the the people involved with ANZ Stadium just uh, saw. I contacted them, and um, they, they love what I'm doing. Um, mm. They love the fact that I was going to the games and stuff like that, and basically being there for the fans. And it just went on from there so to speak so yeah very lucky and fortunate to be a fan ambassador for Bankwest Stadium and uh, I can't wait for it to open Um, as I said only three weeks three weeks away open day in two weeks Um, because what I've been Paramount's been outside their stadium for two four years now is it or three uh, two two so how's your experience been at the ANZ Stadium uh, yeah look it hasn't been too bad Uh, obviously got the members lounge there for uh, Parramatta home games, mm. um, which is a good meeting place for fans to meet yep. before the game, after the game as well. Did you have anything like that at the old Parramatta? Uh, not at not at Pertec. I don't think we did. Yeah. Um, 
I, I think I have heard there may be something similar somewhere at Bankwest. Not 100% sure. We'll find that out at the open day, I guess, um, after doing a walk around. Um, and look, ANZ Stadium, it's a great stadium. Um, been there for a few Origin games. Mm. Um and the atmosphere is electric when it's full. When it's full, yeah. Yeah. When it's full, um, when it's full, it's it's electric. It's it's great. When you have a, a normal club game, it, it struggles to attract the crowds. Yeah. Um, have you and, found like transport? Because you come from Penrith, but how have you and your fellow sort of members found traveling out to the Olympic Park? Uh, yeah. Look, not too not too bad. Um, I usually just go straight from work to the games, so I'm already near Homebush anyway, so I just drive to the games. Um, On the odd occasion where I have caught public transport, it's usually the train. Um, It's pretty easy. Um, I found that pretty good. Um, And the good fact that they incorporate public transport in your ticket as well is a great idea. Mm. Um, And so I haven't had any dramas on on the trains. I have heard a few issues with the buses. Okay. Um, what, into Olympic Park? Uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, so, so I think they may have all actually been organised through the Parramatta Club, I think, um, for their home games. But there's been a few issues there. Um, but I wouldn't know much about that side of, side of things. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in terms of negative things that you know we all love going to the footy but at the moment i think ticket prices are a little bit high what's your been experience even with talking around the members about ticket prices things maybe around food drink prices or any other negatives that you see that you know as an ambassador now for the other stadium that you might be able to pass on as good feedback yeah well definitely the definitely the food and beverage prices they it's hard for uh clubs if they don't own their ground, mm-hmm. um, because they're generally run by a catering company, so obviously they've got their prices and stuff like that. Yep. Um, but yeah, they are that they could probably be a bit more affordable for the average fan, you know, to to get you know a pie or a coke or a beer or something at the football. Um, because if you do take you know a family, it can get expensive. True, um, very expensive. Um, the good part about that is sometimes uh, some stadiums, and I know at ANZ Stadium at the moment they'll have a particular item on a on a special, mm. which which is a good idea. It's a great idea, um, so you can get those sort of items there. But definitely they can probably be a bit lower. Um, ticket prices, the best way to the best way to keep your ticket prices low is to get memberships mm-hmm. to, to your club, which not only supports your club that you're supporting, but also makes it cheaper over the long run to go to to go to games. Um, and I agree with that. That's something I have kind of said to my friends as well. Like that's the best way of supporting it. Even if you don't have the opportunity to go to the games, you still pay for the games by going, being a member. Yeah. And you still get to kind of have your say by, I think, votes and all that sort of stuff as well. So if you want to support the game, even if you don't want to go, yep. at least because there's so many different flexible membership options now too. Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, 
even if you can't go to the games, um, there, there's a non-ticketed membership that you can get. Yeah. So uh, you get discount on uh, tickets to the games mm. if you do decide to go to games. Exactly. Um, and you feel like a part of the, part ownership of the club that you are a member of. And plus, you want those numbers because you know they got the charts where they show you where <laughs> yeah. you're. You don't want to be the one that comes no. to the bottom, like no. You, you want to be up the top. Which, lucky um, for Parramatta, I think they're in the top five by last count. Yeah, I think we're over twenty five thousand members. So, um, but something's not trans. You know, something's not going because you're not attracting twenty five thousand to the game. So. Some, no. There's something not happening here. No, well, we do have a lot of interstate members. Yeah. Um, we do have, a, I know of one person who's an international member really? over in the US. Yeah. Um, so we do have a lot of interstate members. Um, we And we do have a lot of elderly members and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, obviously 25,000 doesn't equate to... 25,000 at a game, so... Yeah, this is an interesting question. Like, have you spoken to the guys at Bankwest Stadium yet about, is there a, a cap in terms of... So I'm sure that they have to reserve a certain amount of seats for away fans. Plus, with your membership base being 25,000, the corporate side of things, I think, have eight or 9,000. Is there a cap for the amount of memberships? Because I know the Western Sydney Wanderers at one stage had a waiting list for how many people they could come in. Have you had any of those discussions yet? Uh, not as yet. Um, I think there's. I think they're seating for about three thousand corporates. Okay. I think um, over on that western side, mm. um, they would always have a away section for those away fans. Yeah, um, like one of the corners or behind the sticks. Right? Yeah, which is pretty normal for any yeah, stadium. Um, so they would have. They would have those. Um, and as we said before, even with 25,000 members, 25,000 people aren't going to turn up. So you wouldn't have that worry of yeah. of actually feeling it. So, um, and there's always a set there's always a set number of um, say walk up tickets as well. So walk yeah. up on the day. Um, so in that sense, I don't think it would become a become an issue yeah it's such a great design stadium when, when i had a look at again today like you know how i think most clubs in the on the 50 meter line that tunnel that comes out that's the biggest waste you're wasting your best tickets but paramount the new western city stadium looks like that they're coming out of the actual ends if you've seen that they're not going to come out of the 50 meter line which is going to obviously boost the valuable tickets that are on the halfway line yeah, that's true. I think um, from what I saw when I was lucky enough to get inside about a month ago, mm. um, there's actually two tunnels. Yeah, um, one for each, isn't there? Yeah, one yeah. for each. So, yeah, so one for home, one for away. So they'll, they'll come out of there, which is basically over on the 50-metre line mm. or on the 50-metre line. So there's two tunnels, one on each side. Um, but... It's a, it's a, Amer- I think it's an American design built stadium. I think it certainly just um, appears that way. And it just, um, you know, the stands are the steepest in Australia. Mm. So you're pretty much, even if you're up the back, you're sort of over the top of the field, so to speak. Yeah, closer um, to it. So 
there won't be a bad seat in the house, I don't think. Anywhere, no. anywhere, anywhere you're sitting, it, it won't be that bad. But even by putting one side of the field literally all corporate, because the majority of the people that are going to show up to the games are the supporters, so it's going to look full on TV all the time, which is always a good thing to bring people to the actual games. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Look, there's been a bit, lot of conjecture about that, obviously from... Well, Par- fans lost their fans. Like, I mean, lost their tickets. My brother. Yeah, he yeah. He lost his equivalent ticket. Yeah, um, and I think that's that's a um, that's a design. That's the way that the that's the way that the stadium's been designed. Yeah. Um, by the designers, and that's what's been signed off as the it being built. Um, and I think the reason behind that is so they can have the services on one side yep. of the stadium and make it a lot easier and cheaper. For those services, um, whereas at other stadiums they're on both sides of the stadium, so there's two sets of services. Yep. Um, it is, it is, it, it, it's very hard for Parramatta because you know they can only be they can only set memberships for what they've been given. True, um, and they can't. Well, they don't have they the stadium, can, so there's only so no, much they can do. That's right. That's that's right. So it, it's a government-owned stadium, so um, they've just you know they're renters mm. of, the, of the stadium, so to speak. Um, but you know, I do feel for those fans and members that have had seats for you know twenty-five years plus, twenty years, yes, ten years, correct. even five years, or even you know even one year, but. At the end of the day, there's not much you can do about that, unfortunately. Yeah, given your travels, because, you know, as we mentioned at the top of the show, you went to every game last year, so you've got a fair idea what the other clubs are doing and the good and the bad. In terms of who does it really good, can you give me a couple of grounds that you really enjoyed going to and maybe a couple that probably have to pull their weight a little bit? Um, I think Suncorp Stadium, Brisbane. Yeah. Um, they have good... Uh, it's, a, it's a good experience going there, um, not only for the ground itself, yep. um, but also they have their on-field entertainment um, before games and, and things like that. Yep. Um, that's probably one thing that's probably lacking. I, I would probably say it maybe all the grounds, to be honest, is, is I know especially at, at Parramatta, it's, it's, it's game day experience. Mm-hmm. So make it feel like something special when you actually go. Yeah, so not just not just um so not just going for the NRL game, so to speak, but mm. outside the stadium as well, having game day activities, um things like music and food and drink and yep. um again to make it like a meeting place. Um so Suncorp was was pretty good for their on field entertainment. I think a lot of the true hardcore rugby league fans would like to see uh, three games played there at, yeah. at on game days, like the old Presidents Cup style. Or you could do now. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So now yeah, you could probably do the the Jersey flag and then the um, Canterbury Cup. Yeah. The Canterbury Cup. Yeah. Would you prefer yeah. like you know back in the day? All three grades were the action for Parramatta, all three grades Parramatta, but now they're Wenty, obviously, for Wentworthville for Parramatta. Would you prefer it just to be Parramatta across all of them? Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I think next year, Parramatta, um, their Canterbury Cup team will be Parramatta. So yeah. uh, that affiliation with Wentworthville's been going on for a while, so 
uh, but yeah, definitely you'd like to see you know Parramatta grade, mm. you know first grade, second grade too, coming through Jersey Fleet. Yeah, definitely, um, and it's probably more recognisable that way, mm. I guess. But yeah, having having three games on one day is probably for the true hardcore rugby league fans. That's probably something that they've been calling out. Well, I grew for. up doing it. I totally agree. Yeah, um, and that's and when it incorporating into that into ticket prices, well, if you're going to be paying the ticket prices that you're paying now, yeah, then you'd probably want a bit more than an NRL game. It is a touch expensive, but isn't it? Because even on Friday, before my brother got me a ticket because he had a spare season ticket for me to take, I was just yep. going to buy one, but I had a Telstra because with Telstra you yep. get a twenty percent off anyway. But I yep. feel that with the twenty percent off. That's what the price should be to start with. Yeah, yeah. At the moment, I think it was maybe $30, I think, or $25 to yeah. get in. But I'm thinking maybe towards that $15, $20 yeah. is more, especially if you're in a ground like... I don't mind paying the premium yeah. when we've got a premium ground like Parramatta Stadium slash yeah. Western Sydney Stadium, sorry, or yeah. when the new SFS gets built. Like, yeah. I don't mind paying a premium yeah. if I'm going to be getting premium things. But at the moment, I see ANZ Stadium, an empty ANZ Stadium, not worth a $30 ticket. Hundred um, percent. I think the way the way, the good part about ticketing is probably a, a family ticket because mm. they do have their advantages there, um, where it does make it a little bit cheaper. Yep. Um, but as you were saying, probably around that fifteen twenty dollar mark, you know, people can probably pay that, um, and they they'd accept that. Um, and then. As you said, not only would it encourage more people to go to the games, but it'd make the stadiums look fuller, and you'd get bigger crowds, and and then the atmosphere would be would be bigger and better. And yeah, but yeah, I mean, I think ha- people would be happy just to pay a twenty and, I think and get great. it. Yeah, I think maybe, that's maybe twenty I, and a free kid with it or something. Yeah, or even encourage you know, uh, even if it was like twenty five dollars, and then um, you know. Get a free sausage roll or something. Um, something to make it like you, you know, spoke about before, getting an experience and making it like twenty dollars. I think is it affordable to make it not just a one-off experience. Yeah, that's right. To make right. it a feel like I want to go five or six times in a year, or maybe I might go for all the home yeah, games. Yeah, because I mean, sidetracking. You look at you look at something like the movies, for example. They're mm. just getting more expensive to go as well. So true. And their ticket prices are slowly creeping. They've up They got as their well. tight ass Tuesday still. Don't they? Oh, they got mate, their I don't 10, know. Fifteen dollar tickets, don't they? Oh, I don't know. I haven't been to the movies in a Have while. I, oh, <laughs> I shouldn't say that. I went a couple of months ago, but before that, a long time ago. So check I, out the Tuesdays. I think I think oh, it's something like that. But um, their prices are slightly going higher. But no doubt. Yeah, you know, chucking a meal deal sort of ticket, so to speak. So you get an entry and you get a you know. Well, maybe a twenty five. You get a you get a water, a pie, and a and your seat or your yeah. seat or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. I think. You know, my theory is always if you sell more tickets, then you probably even out the the money spent then, isn't it? Like, so mm. um, you sell more tickets, then even though if you're giving away a pie and a, and yep. a drink, you're still going to make that in, in ticket prices, so so to speak, in ticket sales. That's an interesting one for them to consider. Okay, so we talked about what you really like. You know, Suncorp Stadium was one of your favourites outside of, you know, your own home venue. But was there anyone that, you know, when you went, you didn't have the best experience? Um, oh, Brookvale probably always comes to mind, I think. Um, was that a location thing, getting to the ground? or I think uh, parking-wise is probably it's difficult. You've got to park in the back streets because yep. um, the grounds are right on the main road. How did you find um, the comfort of the, the stadium and 
again what you pay for what you're going to be receiving well we were we were up on the hill so it was quite a hot day there so it was you know probably the biggest issue there was probably probably the the parking um the ground itself was probably okay but um you know viewing wise viewing wise it's not too bad but yeah probably the parking's the issue there um trying to think where else Leichhardt's always a difficult one for again parking par- parking yeah. that's always a difficult that's one that's a great stadium once you're, when you're a packed Leichhardt Oval there's not too much that beats the actual game day no experience. that's right but it is very very difficult to actually get there yeah you're 100% right yeah um I think uh and it doesn't live on a on a train line either so no no so it's pretty hard to get to by t- public, by public transport yeah you're relying on buses there is a tr- uh, tram but even the tram stops a good walk away, so it's not accessible yeah. for everyone. Yeah. So. Um, back in back in 2016, I think it was, um, Seabus Stadium up on the Gold Coast. That's that's in the middle of nowhere, so to speak. You got to catch a train there, don't you? Um, you can, you can, I think, and and again, yeah, I think you can catch a bus as well. Yep. I think we just uh, Ubered it. I think. Or go, we actually got actually we got a lift from a mate so who was going to the game as well so okay. we got driven there so but it's difficult to get to um, and I think a lot of people find that hard, hard to get to. That's um, not easy when your team's not winning, you know, especially with the Gold Coast. Their crowds have dwindled like huge. Yeah, and unfortunately, you do it does come across on TV like that in a bad way as well. It does, and when you're not winning, and when you're you know, it's so hard to get to your stadium. Why would you go out of your way to actually go to the game? So, yeah, something for them to think about. All right, let's move on yep. a little bit now. You know, one of the biggest talking points is relocation, whether we're going to get new teams or whether we're going to see mergers. Yeah. In terms of your opinion on that, what would you like to be seen in terms of growth for, for rugby league? Well, in terms of in terms of relocation, um, there's obviously a for and against with that. Mm. Um, Obviously, coming from the NRL side of things, they're they're for it. Um, probably the reason being is because they're propping up these clubs with cash injections every now and again. Yeah, um, especially so, the Sydney teams. So. Yeah, the Sydney teams. So they can't. They they obviously as a business they can't afford to keep on propping up their clubs mm. um, with with cash injections. Um, but I would be I. Uh, and the against side is, is I couldn't, I would feel for the fans if they mm. were relocated. I mean, I could, I could never, uh, I'd, I'd be devastated if Parramatta got relocated to Perth, so to speak. Um, would you still support be, them? I would, I would, um, because they're my team. Yeah. Um, just wouldn't get to as many games. Um, and that's like any club. I mean, there's a lot of talk. About you know Manly, Cronulla, and the Tigers being the big three, so to speak, of potentially moving. potential relocation, mm. and you know I'd feel sorry for their fans as well if they relocated because you know you wouldn't want that. Um, would you support if Parramatta were forced to merge with another team? Would you still support that team? Um, I would. Um, it'd, it'd be difficult. It'd be difficult because you are merged with another team. You're not your own en- entity. Um, but, but it just kills your passion straight away, right? Because, like, for example, just say that you guys lost Parramatta. 
you put so much effort in the place called the Paracave, it's it would be it'll be draining for us. Yeah, it is. Um, there is there is a lot of downs with with merging, as you just said naming mm. so you either lose your location name or you lose your um sporting name so um and as we've seen in the past with with st george illawarra dragons so the, the steelers have dropped out of that mm. um they've they've still got their two names in there but the, the steelers have dropped out of that um but yeah it, it would be difficult because as i said you do lose either your location or your identity, so to speak. Um, a good bit, like when I had Buttes on during the week, Michael Butner, yep. he made a great point because he's got a great perspective that he's been in two mergers. Yeah. You know, one that's relatively successful with the West Tigers, but still they've had plenty of issues as well. Yeah. But the one obviously that didn't work was the Northern Eagles between Manly and North Sydney. But he just thinks that you can't merge two teams that are just fierce rivals. So when you have a look at what's left in Sydney, that's going to be the biggest issue. They're all biggest rivals. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, I think back in the day before St. George merged um, and before the West Tigers, mer- oh, Tigers merged, um, there was that talk of Parramatta merging with Penrith, with Penrith and, 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 and yeah, all the Tigers as well. Yeah. So. There was a few worrying times there when there was that little bit of talk about there, about that. Um, so, you know, it'd be difficult to support the Paramount Tigers or something like that. But getting back to your point about rivalries, I mean, Parramatta and Penrith have got one of the fiercest rivalries. Paramount and Canterbury have got a big rivalry. Um, but as convenient as it would be to support Paramount out of Penrith, it just wouldn't be the same, would it? No. No, it wouldn't be. Um no, it wouldn't be the same because then you wouldn't have your mates ribbing you about Parramatta <laughs> and I wouldn't be ribbing them about Penrith and, um, you know, I don't know what I'd call this place if if that did happen. I'd have to change the name. Troy's Cave, that's all. Yeah, right. yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> Troy, in yep. terms of if the NRL was to expand, you know, it's been talked about to go from 16 to 18 clubs. Yeah. So, I mean, two new clubs. Yep. If you were to be choosing those two new locations what would be your preference for the for rugby league look that's a that's a difficult one because there's probably a few locations that could be selected mm. um i think you know you've got you've got perth you've got um central coast you've got a second team in brisbane yep. um the potential of an adelaide team mm-hmm. um Bring back the Rams. <laughs> the Adelaide Rams, Kerrod Walters, <laughs> Tony Iro. Um, yeah, so it'd be hard for it hard to cho- hard to choose like only two. Um, but I think yeah, you probably want to try and and it'd be hard for broadcasters as well because mm. if you go to Perth, then you've got that time difference. There when is. do you, when do you slot in those games? Yep. Um, so that's that's a hard thing for to organise and mm. a hard thing. Look, they can do it. I mean, AFL does it. Um, so soccer does it. The A League. So um, there is a way that they can organise it to happen. Um, but quality, though, you know, we see. You know, you went to the game last week. Yeah, Canterbury versus Para, and you fought, saw firsthand Canterbury is not a first grade team this year. Is there enough players to fill eighteen clubs? Then, look that 
that debate is is um, raging at the moment as well with all this talk about relocation and and mergers and mm. um, expansion. I I think there there would be um, there would be enough players. I mean, you look at you look at someone like. Uh, or do we want struggling teams? You know, back in when we spoke about the early 90s, yeah. there were like four or five teams that you know that you were literally going to beat 80% of the time. Do yeah, we want yeah. it there so there's some young players coming through? Is it that bad to have teams that aren't as... Do we need to I, every I team to be competing for the finals? I don't, I don't, I don't think you do. I think it's the fact of just competing, hmm. um, and I think you look at someone like the Cowboys when they started in '95. Yeah. Um, ten years later, they made they made the grand final. Yeah, and they got the greatest ten, player ever, didn't they? It's just they kind of, they, they did. It, that, it does depend. Does depend who. Yeah, because those early days they weren't so much competitive. Even GWS um, now in the AFL, they went through some very lean years. And... That's right. I think so. I think any new club's going to go through lean years, mm. but I think there is the player talent out there. Um, you look at the Canterbury Cup; they're filtered with first grade experience, um, and then you've got juniors coming through. They've got to start playing sometime. You can also, um, you know, even if you spread out the talent from the existing clubs. Mm. I mean, obviously the fans wouldn't like it, but if you if you filtered out those um, star players and players from the existing clubs, yep. then you wouldn't have you wouldn't have as I wouldn't think you wouldn't have as much dominance by those clubs because mm. every year when everyone does their top eight predictions, Do we need a draft it, then, Troy? It's, 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 it's always the same. It's always the same clubs that are in the top eight. <laughs> so, yeah, you wouldn't have that so much dominance. Um, in terms of a draft... Spreading the talent. Yeah. Potentially. I don't think... We just don't have, like, a college system like they do in America to kind of have a fair crack at spreading the talent and having a, a competition underneath. No, I, I don't think you can probably... I don't think you could probably uh, have... A, have a draft unless the players agreed to having one. Yeah. I think we saw all those dramas. Yeah, back in with, with the 80s, Terry Hill. It? Yeah. Um, but I guess if you want, say, for example, I'll, I'll use the Braley brothers as an example. If the Sharks put so much effort into bringing these boys through since they were 14, you kind of want them playing for Cronulla. Oh, definitely. 100% you do. Um, yeah. Any, any junior that you spend time with developing and... Yeah into the player, then they make first grade. Yeah, you definitely want to keep them. Particularly at the start when they debut. You want to see young talent. You know, you mentioned Reed Mahoney before being a para junior, so it's good to see him come through. And that's yeah. kind of, yeah. you wouldn't want him, because if, just say it was a draft last year, he'd be in the top 10 players for being drafted. Yeah. And he could end up at Townsville or New Zealand. Yeah. 10 miles away from, thousands of miles away from his family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think the fans wouldn't, Appreciate that, and they wouldn't like it, obviously, as well. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, so I don't think a, a draft is is the way to go. Yeah. So, if you were to pick two spots for expansion, what would be your two preferences? You've you've gone through I, about six I, of them. Yeah, I know. Uh, I, I'd go for I'd go for Perth, and I'd go for um, I I'd go for this, again. It's hard. I'd go for the Central Coast. Nice. Yeah, I uh, I go for the I think they get the Central the Coast, debate, don't they? They do. They've got a ready-made stadium up there. Does that mean is, the Bears come back? 
Well, I would like to see them come back. Yeah, um, I was going crazy on NRL three hundred and sixty. I'm not sure if you saw that during the week. <laughs> yeah, I did. Uh, I, I'd like I'd like to see them come back. Um, you know, ba- back in the day, I don't I didn't think it was fair for any club to get kicked out of the competition. You yeah, know? especially those especially those um, uh, inaugural clubs. You know, South east, east, south, west, and yeah. and north. So. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to see them back. Um, they think they can come back um, because they've got the financial backing and they've got the support and things yeah, like that. That's exactly so, what the NRL need to boost the spirits because, you know, Manly's in a bit of a slump at the moment. They had a good win yesterday, but, you know, hopefully they'll continue to be successful. But realistically, that north side is is an area that there is a lot of old North City supporters. Yeah, you could bring back the yeah, and then that's another rivalry coming coming back. North and Manly make, taking the most of the Central Coast people who they do want to support the Bears. So yeah, and they do they do take a few games. There's a up great there, junior catchment too in terms of junior nursery and maybe a little bit more investment once an NRL team does actually put themselves in there. And like you said, just mentioned they've had a stadium there for ten years that are literally. Gets used by the Mariners. Yeah, yeah, it is a. It. It's a quality stadium too. I've been there a couple of times, and it, it's a quality stadium. And you know, the fans are crying out for it. Um, the other, the other location will probably be probably another Brisbane team. Yeah, uh, Brisbane probably have that. Uh, the Broncos they probably have that dominance up in. I agree. I'm up surprised in, up that in the Brisbane. Titans haven't made inquiries about actually shifting from the Gold Coast into Brisbane in terms of because like the corporate sponsorship dollar is way different in Brisbane compared to the Gold Coast. Yeah. And you know, just that ready-made stadium with Suncorp just being there and yeah. they've just got so many different like yeah, I'm really surprised that Titans haven't made inquiries if maybe they have behind the scenes. Yeah. To move up there. Yeah. And yeah, a lot of people do get sick of seeing Broncos every Friday night. Um, they do, mate. And and that's a terrible. yeah, and that's the scheduling side of things. So maybe another Brisbane team would solve that. Definitely agree. All right. In terms of other issues, why don't we talk a little bit about media? In terms of you know, it's a bit hit and miss. And I just want to get your opinion on yep. the shows and maybe the journalists you see that do a very positive job of promoting the game. And you don't have to call anyone out, but maybe if you've seen a couple of organisations that maybe don't do it as well, let me get your opinion on those two sides. Well, I'm predom- I'm predominantly a uh, Fox watcher, yeah, uh, Fox League watcher. Um, so I generally watch all the shows. NRL three hundred and sixty, NRL three hundred and sixty, Maddie John's show, Avonis with the um, show she does, yeah, League Life, Monday Wrap, um, yeah, yep. Big League Wrap, yep. um, and I probably find them more informative okay. um, about the game. Um, so compared to probably compared to Channel Nine. Um, and I think probably the reason behind that is because I think when they did have their footy show on on, mm. a, on a Thursday night, I think they were they weren't talking much rugby league, so to speak. They were more of an entertainment show, and people wanted to watch it for rugby league. Yeah, true. Um, I think that's why Matty John's show they've got their balance correct. That's why his show goes so well. Yeah, they do have a they do have a good mix of you know rugby league content. 
But they've got rugby they, league banter. Do you know what I mean? Like, they make their jokes around rugby league. Yeah. Footy show used to just go off in different Yeah, uh, different tangents. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I think they probably do a, do a good job. And I think these days, too, with the invention of social media, it's probably... Mm. Um, I probably get a lot of my information and about the game probably from there as well. Um what have you found? Is Twitter the, the biggest feed in terms of social media uh, for, for news source? Uh, yeah, probably Twitter for news. Um, probably quick access news. Um, that's probably a better one. Um, you know, if, uh, Facebook is good for news as well, mm. uh, but I think Twitter's more instant and comes up and you do see more, I guess, more news on there. I mean, it does get shared to Facebook and stuff like that, so you do see it on there. But um, I think Twitter is probably better for news about the game. Yeah, I agree. It's um, really quick too. They seem to have a really quick source of news. I think I think the NRL has a pretty strict um, control over the NRL media. Yeah, um, they definitely do. For someone do you like, like you know, how NRL.com, they dramatically increase the amount of. Stuff that they were covering last year. Did you do you follow NRL.com much? Uh, here and there, I do. Yeah. Um, when I when there's a story they do that's that I'm interested in, I'll I'll check it out. Mm. No, it's not too bad. I've, there's there's a few hit and misses, but yeah. Well, overall, I think it's it's pretty good. But I do enjoy the Fox shows. Yeah, yeah. What you um, pick out of that? I, I really like 360. I think that's more. more yeah, I, 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 probably because that that is on more during the week, but. Uh, yeah, and they have the players on and, and stuff like that. I think, yeah, that's probably pretty informative. I do like League Life because it does bring like more a human story sort of backstories a little bit more, and I think the four girls do really, really well on there too. Yeah, that's right. It's probably a, a little bit different side of rugby league that people don't really see. Mm. Um, they do talk. They probably talk more about, yeah, as you said, the other side of players um, rather than not. What's happening on the field? They're probably more of an off-field. Yeah, a little bit to the do with on-field. They field. don't really hear about, and they get some some great some great content out of the boys. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So yeah, that one's probably right up there as well. Okay, let's finish you off with just back to growth of rugby league. Just away from things like relocation, expansion, or whatever it is in that sort of side yep. of things. But what I want to speak to you about is obviously two things about yep. making the game better, and that's. For mine, investment, more investment in referees and more investment in the female game. What's your opinion on those two two areas of our game? Um, first of all, with, with the refereeing side of things, um, definitely if you invest more into them um, for training and the like, um, then you're going to have better decisions made on the field, you're going to have better referees. You're going to have us, the punters, not talk about them as much, not blame them as much for the wrong decisions and, and things like that. They've been good for the first three rounds, but haven't they? Just I think so, yeah. For a little been, while. Yeah, they, they've um, opened up the game a lot more, I think. Do you appreciate um, the more, you know, you know, you just spoke about opened up the game a little bit more. That means putting the whistle in their pocket a little bit. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's been less penalties, I think, blown mm. over the last three rounds, so... You're seeing more football being played, which, which is good. Which is good, yeah, yeah. Um, that was one of the big dramas from last year. There was mm. uh, a lot of penalties <laughs> being blown, and people were getting sick of it. And well, I remember this time last year, like I remember there was a Friday night game, Sharks and Storm. 
That's yeah. the one where uh, Cameron Smith got put in the bin by yeah. Matt Yeah. I nearly turned that game off. I was yeah. that frustrated. I think they ended up being like 35 penalties in the game. That's right. And, you know, people pay to go and watch the players play. They don't yeah. go to hear the whistle being blown from the referee. But so. when did you realise, like, every time that whistle blows, that's 30 seconds. Yeah. From yeah. stop to start. So if there's 35 penalties, that's nearly lost of 20 minutes in a game. That's right. Plus uh, the tries. Yeah. Yeah. So... I think if you invested a lot of money into those guys then and, and girls as well, um, it would be good for them and you'd, you'd see a better better product. I'd probably actually like to see the game go back to one referee mm. instead of the two. You don't like the pocket referee? Uh, yeah, no. I, I'd just like the one man to control the game. Mm-hmm. I think there can be a little bit of confusion between the two, so to speak, you know, different interpretations sometimes. Yep. Um, and, you know, I think we saw during the World Cup recently that mm. there was only one referee um, and the game didn't seem to have any howl or calls or any, any issues then. So that that's what I'd like to see. Um, and also... It, would be good to see, you know, the first female ref, refer in our all game as well. There's a couple, Belinda Sleeman. There's also Casey Badger. So yeah, they're on the fringes. Very, very well, they're doing so. touch judging, so they're they're on the fringes. So I think that would be a a good part of the game as well if they got their first NRL game as well. Yeah, an interesting point that you brought up before was the let's see all three grades, you know, back to the system. But yeah. You know, with the females games, it's a perfect opportunity for them to put them on as a curtain raiser to nearly every NRL game. Or I know there's only four clubs that are currently yeah, participating. Yeah. Or before we recorded, we also had, I suggested maybe them run a summer league so then they get all the exposure. And then it's one of those things we don't, we get a rugby league fix in the summer because we know what we're, yeah, yeah, we're are like. Yeah, we want to see some footy and it's a great way for the girls, the AFL have done it very, very well in the summer. It yeah. could be an opportunity for the NRL to do the same. Yeah, well, definitely. I mean, um, to grow the game in the females, that would be that. That's what I think is needed uh, for for rugby league. You already see it in AFL, soccer, mm. um, cricket as well. Um, they're quite successful at it, um, and their games in the female. Uh, female game is is really successful, mm-hmm. and they get the crowds, and they get the TV exposure, and and things like that. We saw last year with the women's state of origin game that was played at North Sydney Oval. Yep. Um, comes that, that, that yeah, that was a cracking game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of those hits that those girls put on, and the Listen, runs yeah. and stuff like that, and even the tries, are, you know, pretty skillful. Um, and why not? As you said, why not put them in summer? on in summer i think probably uh, people would say that the heat's probably probably the bad thing but, no way, but you can, you can have drinks seven yeah seven yeah those evening times where it does cool down shorten the games you can, you can have minute halves you can have drink breaks as well so minute quarters it doesn't have to reflect everything that the males game can do you can no have that's abbreviated right versions you can even run like well the the problem with the male game at the moment is they play so much contact that you won't want them like doing abbreviated games over the summer. Yeah. But yeah. is it a perfect opportunity? It doesn't have to be a 13 amount. It might be nines. Yeah. Well, they would get more exposure then because people would be watching it. Yeah. Because as you said before, they get the football fix. Mm. Um, and, you know, to be honest, I think it would be good to see 
you know every club to have a a female competition yeah. uh, a female team in in a competition uh, again getting back to the you know player talent side of things yes yeah, so it's baby steps They've it is baby steps four teams to get the the quality up and then once that quality more girls that want to get involved they get the grassroots happening. All yeah, time you can pass six to eight to ten to then sixteen as usual. Yeah, well, I think at the moment I think they've got the highest um, growth rate for participation. I think really? in the female game. So, okay, um, the anticipation of playing women's rugby league is there, and the participation's there. So, it's only it won't be too long until you know more teams are entered in the competition. Mm. There's a bit of talk about. Um, costs involved, but yeah. I mean, but I don't think that's a great thing because when you consider uh, Brisbane's the only team that literally make a profit in the NRL anyway. So, in terms of them saying it's too expensive to run a team, well, the male game is too expensive to run a team, and you literally spend the entire salary. What's the salary cap now? Like nine million dollars. Nine point three. Yeah. So you can't like spend three hundred grand on the female game. They're kidding themselves. Well, that's right. That's right. Um, and I'm sure with. The billions of dollars from the TV broadcasters, they mm. would be able to have a part of that for female clubs, for female teams for the clubs. Yep. Um, you know, we were talking before about uh, relocation and the NRL cashing them up with cash injections here and there. Mm. Well, they can do that there. They can maybe share it around and put it into the... Uh, female teams for the clubs and have that participation happening. I mean, it, it'd be great to see. Yeah, I agree. Well, Troy, I really appreciate you joining me on the podcast. Before I let you leave, I gave out those contact details before, but I'll do it again. Twitter, give Troy a follow. TroyPod78, that's at TroyPod78. His Facebook group, Parrot Eels Army. You can also join, you can also like the Paracave Facebook page. Yeah, Troy Any other Paracave. little plugs that you want to you wanna add there, mate? Uh... I'm also on Instagram as well. Oh, yeah. yeah, what's that one? Tri- I think oh, that's Tripod. Yeah, I think that's Tripod seventy eight as well. I think. Okay. Uh, so I'm on Instagram as well. Um, you'll see me at Parramatta games, no doubt. Um, you'll see me at Bankwest Stadium Definitely. as well, He's no a lovely doubt. Guy, so make sure you stop. He loves um, his yarn. So, mate, I could talk rugby league for hours. So <laughs> today's not long enough, probably. So um, anytime, willing to have a chat. And you're also on the armchair champions. Yeah, I've been lucky to be a guest on there a few times here and there. So talk- coming up with Gussie Wallen this week. Yeah, Gus Wallen uh, from Triple M. He loves his roosters, so yeah. and his cricket. So that should be an interesting chat. So definitely give him a we listen. Get we some- had Royce Simmons on last week, so that was a great one. Yeah, so. we get some get some good guests on there here and there. So they've had Royce Simmons and uh, Stiro and yeah, that's really Brett Kenny. Guests. So. Dudes. Mostly rugby league talk, but there's a few other sports involved as well. Definitely so, yeah, involved. Check but that one out. Troy, again, thanks so much for joining me on podcast. Not a problem. Thank you for coming out. All the out. best for the season, apart from next week. Sharkies <laughs> are going to smash his. Okay. <laughs> but for the rest of the season, I do I do enjoy watching Parra. They, they have been the battlers for a few years, so I'm glad that they're, they're coming back out because I think a strong Western Sydney team in both Parramatta and Parramatta is something that, that is great in rugby league. If Parramatta are doing well, rugby league's doing well. We'll leave it on that note. Yeah, sounds Troy good. Warner, thanks Go for joining power. me, bud. <laughs> and that, guys, was Troy Warner. Really hope you enjoyed that episode. Something a little bit different, you know, really paying tribute to 
one of the huge fans out there in the NRL and the sporting landscape. I really appreciate all the support from Season 2. Like I said at the start of the show, it's been an absolute blockbuster season. I couldn't ask for the numbers to be any better. It's just gone absolutely gangbusters, which I really appreciate you guys helping me share, share it with the family and friends. You know, That's just the biggest way I think we've grown. Through word of mouth, and I love it when you guys get in touch. So send me an email, Tristan at TalkingWithTK.com. would love to hear your feedback for the show, any guest suggestions, or you know, just have a yarn about footy or any other sports, definitely do get in touch. As mentioned, I'll be back 16th of April, which is a Tuesday as normal. So season three kicks off then. The first episode will be George Rose. I've recorded with the likes of Danny Badiris, Craig Wing, Ben Cray, Michael Butner, and also Patrick Johnson. There's going to be plenty ahead in season three, but always open to hearing suggestions for who you want on the show. All right, guys, I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thanks again for tuning in. I'm Tristan Cannell, and this was Talking with TK.